we just kind of like took a bunch of notes every time we traveled, never being too serious about it until we went to uh, Spain um, for our anniversary one year. And we stayed at this place called Vivood, V-I-V-O-O-D. And it's this, I'd never heard of anything like this. It was called a landscape hotel. Um, it was designed by a group of architects, developed and designed by them. And they were kind of like these modern uh, hotel rooms as pods, like on stilts on the side of this um, like agricultural valley. Uh, and they, they had like maybe 25 of them, just a beautiful setting. Um, and then they had a nice pool and a, and a restaurant there uh, just for the people staying. And we just had a blast there and we loved it. And we were like, this is amazing. Like, this is what we would love to do something like this in the, in the States. Like we're not seeing anybody doing anything like that. So that was kind of where we got serious. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Spontaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at spontaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. In every marketplace, there are the Davids and the Goliaths. While it's hard to fathom now, Amazon was a David when Borders and Barnes & Noble were the bookstore Goliaths. And don't forget that Apple was a David when Xerox, IBM, and Motorola were consumer technology Goliaths. Today, I wanna to introduce you to the David of short-term rental platforms, a company called Wander. Whether you're embarking on a family vacation, planning a getaway with friends, yearning for a workcation, or organizing a company offsite, there is a Wander for every occasion. Wonders aren't vacation homes, they're better. Inspiring views, modern workstations, restful beds, hotel-grade cleaning, and 24-7 concierge service are just a few of the guarantees that come when you stay with Wander. Wander is in search of high-end vacation homes in incredible locations around the US. Think national parks, beaches, mountains, you know the type with proven annual revenue. If you are a short-term rental owner looking to sell your property to someone who will appreciate what you've built, send the Wander team an email with all the important deets like monthly rev, monthly expenses, yada, yada, to hello at wander.com. Again, that's hello at wander, W-A-N-D-E-R.com. If Wander makes an offer, you can count on it being all cash, quick and hassle-free. So if you've been thinking of selling, even remotely, why not start a conversation with our friends at Wander? Send them an email at hello at wander.com. In just a moment, you'll meet Jason Neal, the creator of Golden Tiny Homes, a collection of minimalist short-term rentals in Golden, British Columbia. Growing up, Jason liked working with his hands. He always had an eye for making things better, and this perspective ultimately led him to become a builder, just like his father before him. Jason has also always loved the outdoors. In fact, he spends half the year surfing in Mexico and the other half snowboarding in British Columbia. One summer, while surfing in Baja, Jason's buddies started talking about the emerging cannabis industry and the business opportunities that surrounded it. Tune in to hear the incredible story of how Jason built up a cannabis business only to sell it and use the profits of his exit to start building golden tiny homes. All right, without further ado, get ready to meet Jason. All right, sir. We are we are live. How are you doing today? Great. What about you? 
Good man. I am excited to be chatting with you. I was just complaining right before we hit record about how like I was a little like tired growing up or growing up. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> I am tired. I was a little tired this morning when I woke up. Um, but I am feeling energized now, feeling energized just in time for the pot. So it'll be good. Perfect. Um, dude, to, to kick us off, one of my favorite questions to ask people who come on the show is in, in an effort to get to know them a little bit is if you were at a cocktail party and someone were to come up to you and say, who are you, Jason? And, and what do you do? How might you, how might you answer them? I guess it would depend who's asking the question, but you know, I could I could be described as a snowboarder, a surfer, uh, carpenter, or all the uh, above. Air, Airbnb house, I guess. Airbnb so. house, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Is um in, in terms of sort of like your go to cocktail drink, like if you're at a cocktail party, like what what might people find you drinking? I kind of. I don't have a drink, but I would say if I did have a drink, it would be a margarita. A margarita. Okay. That I was not expecting that, dude. I was yeah. I, I was I was gonna go like for some either like bourbon or like a, a like a light beer, to be honest. I was gonna do one of the okay. <laughs> one of the two for you. But um and maybe that's just because I'm projecting my friends who are snowboarders <laughs> and you know who uh who love adventures and, and like the outdoors like you do. Um, those tend to be their drinks of choice. But uh, I, I definitely have drank a lot of those in in the past as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. There we go. Um, cool. So I wasn't too far off. Um, if someone were to have asked you, Jason, like what you wanted to be like when you were ten years old, like how would you have responded? How would you have answered that question? I don't think there's ever been one thing I've wanted to be. I'm, I'm kind of someone who changes up a lot. Like I get one idea and, and I run with it for a while until the next new thing kind of pops up. So I guess if you would have asked me at 10 years old, it might've been one thing and 10 and a half, it might've been a completely different thing, but I've always liked building stuff. Like hmm. uh, my dad was a carpenter. So it was always kind of helping him out around the small farm that we had and uh, just kind of always like doing stuff with my hands. Yeah, I was gonna say so stuff with your hands. Did you? What was like the first thing that you built? Like, did you ever? Like, did you build like a dog house or like a bird house? Like, or what? What was the first couple of things? My dad actually, when I was like maybe ten or twelve, my neighbor had a little mini skate park at his house, and I pestered him for about a year and a half, and he built me a half pipe. That's kind of the first really? thing I really helped out with. Yeah. Dang, dang, dude, that's epic. And you got to do that with your dad. Yeah, that's right. Wow, wow. Were you guys pretty close, like growing up? Yeah, pretty close. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. That's. I feel like it's cool to be able to like do like an activity like with your dad, especially like when you're young, right? Like it, it totally just like it feels, it feels, it's, it's special. It you all of a sudden kind of respect your dad as not just this like you know fatherly figure, but actually like a a, a craftsman, so to speak. Like no pun intended, but like you know you yeah. you start to respect him probably like a, a little bit of a different light. Exactly. Yeah. And you, and you kind of see, see it, you look up to them and they kind of teach you so much and you get older and, and then you can help them out with things. Like now I, my dad's a little older. I go down every year and, and try to help. He has a small apple orchard. I try to go down there and help him out plant, whether it's like planting trees or making like bigger enclosures for, he has like a couple like pet chickens and goats and stuff. So I try to go out and help him around there once a year. That's awesome. Did your, were, did your dad like let you use like all of his tools or like were there tools that like you weren't allowed to use oh. until you were older? 
No, like basically he was gone and they were all in the barn. So me and my friends would make little <laughs> skateboard ramps and be probably ultra dangerous, but I still have so. Wow. Okay. Well, hey, dude, you're you're alive and exactly. you you followed uh, at least somewhat in his in his footsteps. So you grew up you grew up in Montreal. Is that correct? Yeah, right outside of Montreal, about forty five minutes away. And did you grow up on this same farm, the same like apple orchard that your dad has now, or no? No, that's okay. uh, I. He actually moved away to to Ontario when I was like maybe fifteen, something like that. Okay. Um, but we grew up on a smaller farm just in kind of just outside of Montreal, a super cool place, right outside a small ish town, but big enough town. So everything was there and we were like a 10 minute bike ride away. So it was good location. I was actually just there a couple months ago. Um, and I had been there like once really quickly for like a, a work trip, like a weekend, uh, or like a, for like a couple days, but I had never spent like a, a significant amount of time there and it's a really massive city like it's it's a lot larger than i feel like in my mind's eye it is yeah and it's the the whole like split between like like old montreal which obviously feels like very european to like you know the the main downtown i forget what's what's that main street called um that's like Saks fifth ave almost um St. Catherine. St. Catherine. Thank, yes, St. Yeah. Catherine. Yeah, and you, you you almost feel like you're like on on like Madison Ave or Fifth Ave uh, in New York City. Um, so it's got it's got this like cool hodgepodge of like the old and the new. And anyways, I had a I had a blast there, and the food was incredible, man. Like I I oh, did not have main... a bad meal. Yeah, I, other than my family, that's the second thing that I miss when I'm when I'm not there is the food. Like my, <laughs> it goes like family, friends, and food. The Three the F's, three F's. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, dude, it was a remarkable trip. But um, so okay, at, at what point do you decide that you want to be a carpenter? Because you, if I stalked you a little bit on on LinkedIn, and it looks like you started like your own business uh, either after school or while you were in school. Like, when did when yeah. did you decide to become a carpenter and and start your own business? So I started carpentry kind of young so my dad was in construction he told me that i he didn't want me to go in constructions too too much work too too hard so he said you have to go to school uh and then i went to school like i actually studied uh photography because i was doing lots of skateboarding photography back huh. in those days and uh afterwards my mom's a financial advisor so i went into economics at Concordia and it was just not the place for me. So once the summer break came around, I started working construction and then I, I went back to school afterwards and um, went into a construction management uh, program, but just the, I was really enjoying what I was doing. I yeah. was really enjoying what I was learning. I kind of love like any like, big equipment, seeing big things get done and, and just seeing all the small steps it takes to get there. Just always have kind of intrigued me. Yeah. But yeah. My LinkedIn, I don't think I've uh, updated that probably in 10 years because I haven't <laughs> really been looking for work for the yeah. past 10 years. <laughs> hey, you've been busy doing your own thing, literally building yeah. your own, your, your own company. Um, so, okay. At what point in time do you begin thinking about short-term rentals? Like, was was this sort of like a master plan? Like you you moved out to you're you're in British Columbia, is that correct? Right now, that's right. Yeah. Right. So you move out to British Columbia, 
And at the time, like what, what was the plan? Was it to like, what, what, I guess, what kind of homes were you working on or what were you building? And then how do you ultimately become interested in the short-term rental space? So I guess how I kind of got interested in the short-term rental space is me and my friend wanted to, we were both working construction up North where you work two weeks on two weeks off. And we were hoping to buy a, a, like a small hostel or, or like a hotel or something in Mexico where we could go surf on our two weeks off and we would alternate like work shifts and kind of have this place to go to because our work would fly us wherever for, for our days off. Yeah. So that's kind of what kind of initially piqued my interest in short-term rentals. But then I, I kind of put it to the back burner for a couple of years and, um, as the cannabis industry was really booming in Canada, I, I started a business, sold it, and was able to buy my property here, not really with the intention of making it uh, a short-term rental. I, I was kind of just making it as a cool pad for why I built a few tiny homes on the property is because I wanted different friends to come visit and I wanted everyone to have their own space. Huh. And at a certain point, I was like, you know, I should rent these out instead of just hoarding them for myself for the few times a year that I have a bunch of friends that come from out of town. Uh, and Airbnb is so easy that, you know, I can still have the friends come from out of town and, and kind of juggle that with, with guests. So yeah. that's kind of how I got into it by building a cool spot for myself and friends and, and realizing that I, I guess being forced to realize I don't have as much money as I thought I did. And I should, uh, <laughs> maybe monetize the the place a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I have so many questions. I, I want to go back, though, to the cannabis business. Like, what was it? Like, Was it like a just a dispensary? Or like, what, what did you build and, and what did you sell? Yeah, so I had a dispensary, uh, a storefront. Okay. When, when you, in Canada, the, the rollout of legalization was a little bit weird where there were some municipalities that were allowing, they were giving out business licenses that, so you could open a cannabis store but it was still federally illegal. Huh. So I got one of those licenses and then opened up a small store and then I had a delivery service and just kind of ran that for a couple of years. Really enjoyed it. Actually, it was, it was quite fun. It was, uh, I was living in Whistler at the time. So the dispensary was in Squamish, which is another beautiful town on, on the coast. And the only that I went from Mexico to Squamish to open up this dispensary because I had a friend in California who did the same thing probably 10 years prior and obviously did quite well. Um, so I told myself the only place I would open a dispensary is somewhere where I could snowboard and not be too far away from surfing. And there was still the option to do that in Squamish. So, wow. Okay, dude, this is getting more interesting by the minute. So, I mean, like how did like, how do you, I understand you had your construction business, right? But like, how do you go from that to also feeling confident enough and like essentially opening up like a retail shop, right? Like, like, like that's, that's a different, it's a totally different business. So like, yeah, how were you just like, dude, whatever, man, like, we'll just like try it out. And if it fails, it fails. Or like, how did, how were you confident enough to go into a entirely different space? I've, I visited my friend's different stores that he had. He gave me his whole story of how he started. And it's one of those things every day, you just kind of learn anything. I'm not really a cannabis uh, user. So that was even something that I had to learn. 
So luckily I, I, I kind of stepped into it and had a lot of good friends um, who were in the space and were able to help me out and, and uh, give me some advice. But basically I told myself is I have, let's say $50,000 saved up to do this. Once I run out of the $50,000, I'll just, you know, walk away, call I'm it done. quits yeah. or hopefully make more than that and, and walk away and, and be happy. I didn't really have the below for success or failure. I, I was kind of like, Hey, you know, if this works, it'll really work. And if it doesn't work, I mean, I could have went to jail, I guess, because it was still federally illegal. So <laughs> I, I was really hoping for that upside. And I, I guess I made the, the right decisions and I got the upside. Yeah. So, okay. So you run it, uh, what, what is it like a couple years, two, three years and, until you sell? Yep. Okay. About three years. About three years. And then you sell and then you're like, okay, you know what? I want to buy land. Like that was the next like jump. You decided you wanted to go buy a place in Golden. Is that like, what, what yeah. do you, like, what, what, what were the steps, I guess, that led to your decision to use that money for land versus something else? I kind of always like having kind of a place to ha have all my things at. So I snowmobile in the backcountry for, for snowboarding. So I always have like a truck and a snowmobile and snowboards and it ends up just being a lot of stuff. So <laughs> you kind of need a place to put it. And Whistler where I was living was not really attainable for me to purchase a, a decent sized property. I could have maybe got a condo or something but the condo doesn't really fit my lifestyle. So I want a little bit of, of acreage and, you know, I, I found this piece and it was really not too expensive. So I just kind of went for it. Yeah. And there was no house. It was just, it was literally just land. Yeah. It was bare land. Okay. No, there was a little road cut in so you could get into there, but nothing more than that. So I had to do all the infrastructure power sewer water wow cut all the trees build all the the landings for the for the places so it was, there's some work that went in yeah i mean clearly because now i mean on your on your website um i, you, I can see you have, you have at least three tiny homes that are that are live um that are part of golden tiny homes maybe more now but um you do, do you also live up there like do you have a house as well or do you live somewhere else <laughs> So I live in one of the tiny homes for a portion of the year. Okay. Okay. My girlfriend and I met surfing in Mexico and we live half the year in San Diego because I'm Canadian. I can only stay for a max ah, of six yeah. months in the U S and vice versa with her. She's only allowed here for six months. So we kind of hopscotch between the two, but we're building a, a house right now on the property. Um, that's going to be bigger than the tiny homes. It's, like 1800 square feet and it's that's going to be our main your main residence where, yeah 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 main residence for half the year yeah. when we're in canada and and yeah so wow dude I'm okay stoked on that. what a life man half your year snowboarding and half your year surfing like Dude, you're just you're just living it, man. You're living the dream. You are living the dream. So okay, so you, too. yeah, you get you get this land. You decide to start working on tiny homes. Why tiny homes? Was it simply because you're like I I want 
I want my buddies to be able to come here. I want my friends to be able to come here for a portion of the year. Want to give everyone their own space. Obviously, I can't build everyone a, a massive house. So tiny homes like make sense. Was that pretty much the logic or, or was there another factor? No, actually, the, how it worked out is I was still running my business in Whistler, but I had bought the, the piece of land before selling the company. Okay. And I was kind of tied there ge- geographically. So I, I was, but I was maybe working 15 hours a week for that business. So I'm like, hey, you know, well, for the other like 40 hours this week, why don't I just build some tiny homes and then I'll bring them down onto the property. So it, it gave me something to do in between time. And, you know, looking back, I would maybe do something a little bit different. I like the tiny homes, but I'm not a big fan of having them like on a trailer structure versus on a foundation. Got it. Got it. Yeah. But yeah, it was just kept me busy and, and I was stoked on them. So, and you, you live and you learn, man. You're a kick-ass Airbnb host. In fact, you've done such a great job at marketing your short-term rental on Instagram that you're pretty much entirely booked for the next six to 12 months. And while it doesn't happen regularly, every so often there's a cancellation or just one random three-night window of availability in the middle of the week. Now, posting about the fact that you've had a cancellation or that you've got just three nights left in February on your Instagram story is a great start, but what if you could automatically notify interested guests the second a cancellation comes through? And that's where Ping comes in. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and integrates with your Airbnb listing and allows your fans and followers to sign up to be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked for the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out this simple form and will be pinged if their requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which allows you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping, it's what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. Sign up for free at www.bnbping.com. Ping. Brought to you by Spontaneous. So okay, yeah. so talk to me. Uh, you've got you've set up this nice little brand for yourself, Golden Tiny Homes. You've got a splash page, and then you've got your your listings. And you clearly like you guys, you know, optimized for this sort of like minimalist, but like very like kind of trendy, attractive uh, sort of feel still. So like, what did you have a particular like persona or like guest persona in mind? Um, and then. I guess I guess the first question is once you brought the homes to the property, like how long until you listed on Airbnb, and how long did it take to get booked? Um, it probably took me like a year and a half after I brought the first one on the property to to list it because I brought it here and it was kind of this nice tiny home, but in the middle of a gravel pit. So yeah, yeah. I'd, I, I kind of wanted to do all my landscaping and get a few things. So it, it took a little while, but as soon as I put them on, I think I got a booking like maybe a week later and then it wow. just snowballed. And now we maybe are booked out. We don't open it up 
every sync all the time because I'm here right now and and doing some work. So I want to have a little bit more privacy and, and I also don't want the guests to like suffer from me waking up at seven o'clock and, and (laughs) making a bunch of noise. But when, when it's fully open to the public, we probably book it out each unit 28 days out of the month. So it's, it's hard to find some vacancies. Yeah. So, okay. And are people coming like, so, People are coming to Golden, what, to to snowboard, to hang? Like, talk. can you talk to us a little bit about, like, the area? Yeah, it's, uh, it's in the Rockies. So it's in between uh, Banff National Park or, and Glacier National Park. Oh, wow. So okay. Pe- so people are kind of on a road trip throughout Canada. It's right on the Trans-Canadian Highway. So people are, are checking out, you know, th- those two main attractions. And then it's just beautiful scenery around so people are coming there's a suspension bridge that just was built in in golden that people are coming out to check there's skydiving that's big here there's uh rafting is huge in the summer Hmm. but i'd say most people are kind of just driving through and and they either make it a home base for a week and kind of venture out uh, an hour in either direction and see all these things or they're swinging through they stop for the night they do something in golden and then they stop in the next town for a night. Got it. Got it. Okay. That's awesome. And like one of the things that I, I feel like is, is super interesting about what you've done is you, you've obviously bought this piece of land. You have three houses, uh, three tiny homes that you built already. You, I, right before we started recording, you said you're working on another, another house. Is that, is that the prime, your primary residence that you're talking about? Or are you guys working on adding other tiny homes to, to the property? Uh, so on my property, we're building one more home, but I bought 12 acres with some friends and ah. there was already one kind of barn style building that was on it that we fully renovated in the same style as the tiny homes interior style. And on the outside, it's kind of this barn with a huge Canadian flag painted on the roof. The guy who owned it before was like a little bit eccentric <laughs> and he drank this brand of beer called Molson Canadian that has a big canadian flag on the beer can so one day i guess he decided he was painting his whole roof with a canadian flag and it's kind of a cool look is right on the columbia river um so we have that one rent being rented on airbnb now but we're building three kind of like scandinavian style cabins that are a little bit bigger than a tiny home wow wow okay jeez dude you don't stop man so i i've got a couple just other questions for you because i haven't had i've had a lot of people on this show who are either str like tech entrepreneurs their first or second time uh, airbnb hosts or we've got folks that you know are managing whole collections of airbnbs but i believe and i i hope i don't get like uh some angry messages <laughs> for this but i believe like you're the first person that we've had on the show that is like built them himself like most people are like working obviously with a with a uh a contractor to help kind of construct the home if, if they are building something from scratch so when you think about like like, how do you approach the build of of the these next homes? Like, so you said these are like more like Scandinavian. I don't know how you would describe your your current tiny homes, but like, what are you doing differently with respect to your approach to the build this time than before? And like, when you think just generally about 
short-term rentals and the the kinds of places that people like to stay in. Any like pro tips on how people should be thinking about building? Any sort of like lessons learned along the way that you would that you wish you you hadn't done or you might never do again? Or or is there anything that you are you feel pretty you know pretty bullish that people should be doing more of and they're not? Yeah, I I would say that one thing is to design them for for what you're looking for, for what your clients are looking for. If it's someone, if you're trying to cater to one week stays, you maybe don't need as much storage as if you're building a house. So Hmm. that's kind of something when we're building these cabins, we want to save a little bit of money by making them more suited for short-term renters. But at the same time, we're like, Hey, you know, if, if things change, if the markets change, maybe we have to put a long-term renter in it. We're still designing to keep enough space for storage, enough space for washer dryers, but it's not necessarily stuff that we're integrating into the the builds right off the bat. Interesting. Interesting. So almost building it in a way where it's like, yeah, if you, if you need to change the primary use of the space, you haven't like screwed yourself based off of design, you know, decisions that you've made. Yeah. But also, you are intentionally like leaving some things out that you would certainly add were it to be a unit that was rented for, let's say, a full, you know, lease term of 12 months or something like that. Exactly. And then as far as design goes as well, I feel that stuff that pops out and is cool looking, people are more attracted to that than just what's practical. You know, you could build a square box that would have everything that you you would want to live there for the year and it would be fine to live in for the year. But when you're going on that one week vacation, you want cool stuff. Like I have a treehouse sauna here on my property and uh, a hot tub that's up a big, cool wooden flight of stairs that overlooks the mountains. And wait, wait, sorry. Is the sauna actually in the tree? Like it's actually a treehouse sauna. Yeah. this It's a barrel sauna. That's, on a tree in a treehouse platform about like 30 feet off the ground dude that's amazing oh yeah. I've, i bet you're free i bet you get a lot of like instagram uh, uh photos uh in that in that sauna that's that's unique that's cool yeah. that's that's awesome man and did you yeah. build that yourself or did you buy that i did i when uh i think two years ago when we we're we we're coming back from the states to canada it was really strict quarantine and we were not allowed to leave the property they had like they gave you a phone call every day to make sure you weren't leaving the property and you could because my girlfriend's american she could have got like i think it was a $700,000 fine so we we didn't risk it and we didn't leave the property so during that time is when the treehouse got built wow that is incredible wow Dang. i would get like friends to go and pick up materials at the lumber yard for me and drop them off and i was we were we took it super seriously and didn't leave the the property for fear of going bankrupt for fear yeah going bankrupt and retribution well dude well you know most of us were binging like tiger king you were uh building <laughs> a treehouse sauna <laughs> okay okay good phew don't feel too terrible so okay talk to us a little bit about like how you're thinking about marketing here so you i was looking at your reviews and you've had it you have a, at least a couple hundred reviews um across your pro across your properties already so you've clearly rented these these places out for a while have you thought much about like how you want to brand you call these like golden tiny homes on your website right now how are you thinking about like branding how are you thinking about like marketing is your is your vision to like build sort of like a a little mini empire here like are you pretty content with like 
being on Airbnb and just letting letting things happen as they will. Like, how are you thinking of about the next couple years of of building your business? Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's something that I'm. That's my next step is is kind of taking the listings into my own hands, even though Airbnb is, is great. It's, they have the keys to the castle and they can lock you out when they feel like it. So, uh, it's something that's not my strong point, but it's something that, uh, I really want to work on. So I want to have my own brand. I want to have my own, you can book on my, my website without going through them and, and kind of getting any of our repeat customers to go directly through us we get a lot of those we're kind of a we're also three hours away from calgary so we get a lot of people who come up Hmm. for the weekends to go skiing and then come back so that crowd that comes multiple times a year would be great great to have and and the whole instagram presence it's just uh i guess there's only so much time in 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 a day but i've kind of um told myself uh, for the whole month of September, I'm going to Nicaragua with my girlfriend to go surfing. So that'll be the time I really put the the energy into that. That's good, man. Time blocking. Hey, uh, everyone says it works. So uh, I'll have to follow up with you in, at the end of September and see uh, and see what came out of your little uh, your little surfing retreat there. But I think that's that's a great plan. Yeah, and it, it's it's so hard, man. Like it's it's hard to understand when's the right time. It's also like you know, there's a lot of cons with direct bookings too that uh, you know people that come on the show talk about which is like oh well like airbnb also protects you like if yeah shit happens um and you have a terrible guest god forbid like airbnb's there to help you out uh, otherwise like you've that's all on you like and you've yeah. got to come up with your own contract and yada 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 but again i think once you've amassed a certain amount of following it's at least worth doing for as you mentioned before people that are your loyal customers like they want to come back you've you, you know you've created an experience for them that they've loved and you shouldn't have to pay that x percent fee um to to have them come back <laughs> you've already you've already won them over um what's what's something random like that people don't think about when like building a house from the ground up like i've never i've obviously like never built anything from the ground up i've never built a house from the ground up um and i've always like wondered like like i, I would love to do it i yeah. not myself obviously but like what's something that like people just like often don't think about whether it's this this is like really this is you know fundamental and if you if you don't do this right like you're screwed and or what's something that's like people often don't realize there's this cool opportunity that you get when you are building something from the ground up yourself yeah i think uh, something people don't realize is the first thing i'm going to say is windows i get all my windows not necessarily secondhand, but from the the manufacturer, but people, contractors who ordered them and got the wrong ones. So you go to their warehouse and they have tons of windows that they can't really sell when someone gets a new, new building package. But if you design your house around the windows versus the other way around, you can save a ton of money usually. That is incredible. High quality windows and another thing is design around standard lumber sizes so hmm. that you don't have lots of waste. Super important thing is is just start with a good foundation, good solid ground. And, you know, if you start straight, you're going to finish straight too. Um, and then something people neglect is storage. I think 
it's like kind of overlooked and it's often overlooked because you're building big houses. So you kind of end up, but with lots of storage, but if you, you think it, it out and what you have and, and really design the storage for, for what you need it, find I find it a lot easier to find stuff and stuff kind of just naturally goes in its place. Like people aren't looking where the knife goes, like their hand is magnetically drawn to where the knife knife is. And I, and when something's designed like that, i I feel you feel it when you're in that space. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think I might've mentioned this to you before. I know that our, our listeners know this. I, I lived on Airbnb for like 15 months and my wife and I were at like, you know, a new Airbnb every week and you could totally, you could totally tell when you were in a space where the owners, the designers, whoever it was, like really thought about those things and thought about sort of those those details of when you go to look for a knife, it should, you, you, I can't even describe to you where the knife should be, but you know where it's supposed to be, yeah. like when you go and it's there, right? And that and that level of like care and detail, you know, really, really, really goes a long way. And it's, I would imagine this is, it's exacerbated by the fact that if you do have a small home and you have a small space that you're working with, you have to be, all the more intentional because you just don't have that much space to work with to begin with. Yeah. I think that for anyone setting up the, whether it's your first or your hundredth Airbnb that you're setting up, I think you should at least stay there a couple nights and go through the motions of this, you know, the person who's on, on, on a trip and, and see what you're missing. You know, if you're cooking food and you're like, Oh damn, where's the salt? I didn't, didn't leave salt shakers in here. Like, go through all those things and and I think it just makes a nicer experience for whoever's coming to stay. Yeah, totally. Couldn't agree more. So you have your construction business and then you had the your cannabis business which you then sold and you used that capital to buy this place. And yeah. now you're, you know, you're running a an STR business, a short-term rental business. So like how how have you thought about how have you figured out like the the different uh, economics behind like hospitality versus like these other your other ventures has that, has that been difficult or like has it been pretty natural like what can you share with us just you know off the cuff too about like how how the business is is doing overall yeah it's doing really well because i didn't borrow money to start this place out so anything that comes in is kind of just feeding any new stuff that gets built yeah um so but if you were to to run it as a business is a great business to get into because you can get a property and, you know, really max, you can go above and beyond any mortgage payment you would have, depending what market you're in. Some markets you, you just can't, properties are too expensive. Um, but here in the interior of BC, there it's a high traffic travel destination. It's hard to find any type of housing here. So, um, you know, all the hotels are always booked. Airbnbs are booked. So the supply demand side really works out. Yeah. As far as compared to construction, construction is hard because you're kind of trading your time for money and it's hard work. You're working outside like in 90 degree heat, like it is this week here. I'm doing that right now, but I feel good about it because at the final product is is going to be mine, not yeah. somebody else's. So yeah. I'm I'm more happy to do it for myself than than for for someone else. So. 
Absolutely. Have you, I, and again, I know that you like, you took the money that you got from selling your business to kind of fund all this stuff, but like, have you, have you done the, the math at all to, to understand like what, what, you know, for like a profitable night or a profitable week or a profitable like month, like, do you need like all three places to be booked? Do you need one place to be booked? Like, have you, have you even like done the math there of like what, what's your sort of like ideal, um, you know, a per percentage of like, you know, uh, nights booked in, in a given month in order to feel like, okay, dude, this, you know, the business is doing well, like the, the, the margins are good versus like, oh, dude, like once we drop below like 14 nights of, you know, vacancy in two, two or more cabins, like, no bueno, like, <laughs> like we're, 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 yeah. we're like in trouble. Yeah, I would say I, I kind of aim to be booked. 25 nights out of the month per cabin yeah and anything less is just like oh it must be kind of slow this time of year because there's a little bit of a shoulder season and then i'll just kind of drop the rates like i use um dynamic pricing not yeah. the airbnb one but uh, price labs oh got it cool and it's pretty good for that just to keep keep it pretty good but you know if i'm i'm happy wherever it lands because um, I feel like I have a good product. And if it starts landing below that 20 nights a month, uh, I'm definitely going to revisit and, and see what I need to do to, to get back up to the 25 nights a month. But right now it's like 28, 29. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a it's not a problem until it's a problem. And dude, by the way, exactly. you're going to go in September, you're going to come up with this great marketing plan and yeah. so you won't have a problem. It'll never drop below that. <laughs> exactly. Well, hopefully I'll find somebody that can help me do all, all the marketing plans and stuff like that. That is, I, I know my strengths and weaknesses and, and that's not a strength. So I just want to find someone that the the right person that has that strength and, and work with them. Have you ever thought about like starting a business specifically around building Airbnbs for people, like building short-term rentals for people or like, would, would you, would you want to do something like that or not really? Not really. I would, if, if I'm going to be doing that, I would rather just do it for, for myself and, yeah. and, and find a partner who had money to do it. And then I could just scale faster with them, but I wouldn't really want to, you know, I'm happy to consult. Like I love when people want to learn about the, the business or what they should do on their place, especially on the design build side. I've, I love answering people's questions there. Any questions that I can, because you know I'm, I kind of know what I'm doing, but I'm not an expert on on anything. I've as much as anyone else looks some stuff up on YouTube before doing <laughs> it. So, yeah, dude. Uh, but but hey, but you yeah, you're you're you've also run a construction company. You've also figured out right, like you you've successfully done it. You're booking on average twenty five to twenty eight nights uh, a, a month, like. Yeah, you, you've learned a thing or two and, and people will pay for that knowledge. Yeah, you, you should totally set. Do you have a consulting business that you set up around this already? I I put it on the, the website for, for Golden Tiny Homes. But ah. to be honest, we're, uh, we're not even, my girlfriend was doing the Instagram, but we've both been off Instagram for about 10 months. Okay. Like off our personal one, which meant that the business the one. tiny homes one yeah. also is not getting checked, which has been great to be off uh social media for for so long it's but um the pros and cons right the pros and cons exactly 
Yeah. Well, hey, when you're ready, you're, you, you you never know. When this podcast goes live, you might get some DMs from people that are like, hey, dude, you know, uh, I I need your help. Like, what do you? Yeah, like, what what should I'm I do? Happy to help people. So as long as, I love for other people to do cool spots like this, and we can do like some some uh, tradesies. I can go surf at their place, oh, and there they you can go. Snowboard here, or is anyone in? Yeah, if there's anyone in San Diego listening, and they want to <laughs> put you guys up while you're there, <laughs> do you guys have a place down there, or do you guys just rent when you're down there? We just rent when we're down yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow, dang, cool. Dude, that's the life, man. All right, a couple of final questions for you. One is just around uh, when you when you think about sort of like your next three to five years, we, is the goal to kind of clone the concept of golden, golden tiny homes and like do something like this in like a surf destination? Like, would you want to essentially take the model and replicate it in a different location, continue to expand like you're already doing with a with another partner? Uh, in, in that area or are, are we feeling like you know what might be might be pretty content at this point and just want to let the cake bake for a while grab the surfboard do my thing in Honduras and then uh, think about this again in the next five years like where like mentally like where are you at yeah I I definitely want to do something to get set up in California so whether it be short-term rentals there or building kind of a cool spot you know, somewhere in Mexico where we can pop back and forth to San Diego. I, I want to, I'm not the, I love surfing and I love hanging with my friends, but I'm not the type of guy that can just do that. I need, I love, I actually really enjoy what I'm doing. So I'm going to just keep doing it, but I'm, I'm not sure where I, I think I'm not necessarily maxed out here in golden, for for the projects that I'm going to take on, but I want to start taking on more projects either in a surf destination or I mean California is a surf destination, but it's it's less of a um, you know on the beach vibes. Sure, surf sure, totally. Destination. Um, yeah, dude, the water's cold a lot of the time, so you know there's there's that. Um, and then a uh, question just about: Do you know the folks that like? Uh, I think that I think it's called like Den Outdoors, and there's 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 like a number of them that like they basically they like sell plans, right? Like they they'll they'll basically tell you exactly how to like build your, you know, uh, instant worthy cabin or like a tiny oh, yeah. house or whatever. Anyways, there's, there's a number of these companies. The other idea that just came to mind is consulting is great. You could probably also take the plans that you've worked on for these these cabins already. And, you know, assuming somebody comes there and likes it and or, or even if they don't come there, they check out your photos and they're like, damn, this is like pretty nice. You, yeah. you know, you put those plans up, you know, on like Gumroad or some other, you know, quick site. People pay you to access those plans. And that's also just beautiful, like, you know, passive ish sort of uh, rev coming in. So anyways, yeah. you've probably already thought about that. But I th- but I but I, I don't see enough it, of those. The implementation part for me is is a little harder on those things because I'm like. Uh, I could do that or I could go build a tree house and, and yeah. being outside and building the tree house always wins. Yeah, over, yeah, yeah. As it should, here. as it should. Yeah, no, I mean, that's cool, man. Okay, well, for folks that want to come and stay, what's uh, what's the best place for, for them to go? Your website, goldentinyhomes.com, right? Is is that, um, that's the correct URL, right? Yeah, that's right. And uh, they can go there soon. It'll be direct booking through there. We'll get ping set up on that as well. Perfect. Yes. And you've got, 
all yeah. sorted. Wonderful. Yeah, I'm on the site right now too. And we'll link this in the show notes. And yeah, all three of your your places right now can be booked um directly via this this website that will take yeah, it to sends Airbnb it over to Airbnb. Yeah, 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 yeah. Perfect. Beautiful. Um well dude, this cool. was They'll this was amazing. I, I want to come in. I, I know. I got to tell my – I'm actually – yeah, I, I'm trying to convince my wife to come out this way. We're, we're supposed to be in, um, in California later this, uh, later this fall. So hopefully if we end up oh, going cool. to the I'll West Coast. I'll be there Coast, in California in, in the fall as well. Oh, there we go. Maybe we'll meet up in San Diego. We'll you know, become friends, and then it'll be like, all right, yeah, dude. Like we got we to gotta go see Jason in, in, in Golden. Uh, that'll be my excuse. Yeah, you do, man. Just let me know, and I'll I'll set one aside for you. That, this is what they're here for. They're they're here for first and foremost for just cool people you meet, and whether I'm around or not, for them to come and check out this area and to come have fun in the mountains. Yeah, dude, you're you're the real deal, man. Um, that's great. Well, thank you so much for your time, man. This has been this has been wonderful. Well, thanks for your time. Have a good rest of your night. Hey friends, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're going to roll with it. Subscribe, um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone, see you next time.